Magical Mara Designs is proud to sponsor this episode of the Dub D Dub Review Podcast. If you're looking for custom, comfortable Mickey and Minnie ears, check out our designs or send us a message at MagicalMaraDesigns.com. Hello, welcome to the Dub Dub Review. I'm your host, Chris Malik, and I'm joined by my co-host, Peter Ponacorvo. Peter, how are you? Excellent. How are you? Outstanding. Stacy Nyman, how are you? I'm doing great. Thanks. Awesome. So we are recording. It's the towards the end of November, and you know, we're looking towards the holidays. So the best part about the beginning of December is obviously you've passed Thanksgiving and you've done all your shopping. But the first week or so of December, I'm kind of leading to something here, Peter and Stacey. December the 5th, <laughs> what is that date in Disney history? Who, who, who's got their hand up? I'm looking. I'm, I'm peeking um, at you guys. Oh, 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 oh. The Rise of the Resistance opens. Rise of the <laughs> Resistance. Oh, no. Stacy, come on now. Give me some help here. No, it does open on the 5th. I know, I know, but that's not where I'm going for. <laughs> I didn't want to interrupt Pete because I was the, that kid in class who would just sit kind of quietly and wait for the kid to get it wrong, and then uh, I would jump in. But I'm not wrong. I think wrong. it's Mr. You're right. Okay, you're not. You're not wrong. But it wasn't what the teacher was going for. So I think it's Mr. Walt Disney's birthday. Out, Am I correct? Y- you you are correct. So yes. by the time this show's released, there's a really good chance we've already passed Walt's birthday. But what makes that cool is. Everything we do on this show, everything that Dubs is about, is based on Walt's influence. So we like to think, yeah, we're theme park fans and we're resort fans and we're attraction fans. And we're Walt you know, fans. We're, we're Walt fans. Everything we do surrounds, you know, his imagination and the ability to travel from you know, as a young lad from Chicago to Missouri, Missouri to Los Angeles, back and forth, and and constant rejections, and then finally the success and like the genius that was Walt Disney. So early December, whenever we see, you know, the fifth roll around, it's always really cool to remember it's not resorts and attractions. It was a man who thought of this. So, you know, this is always a really cool time of year. Um, Peter, if I said Walt Disney to you, give me three words that describe Walt the man. Uh, Let's see. Visionary. Imaginative Chicagoan. There you go. Oh, I like that. Stacy, you got three words? Yes, I will say creativity, genius, and legend. Okay. Those are all great. I don't even want to give mine because, like, you guys beat me on that game for sure. Mine would be bad. However, as Chicagoans, even though Peter is now a very southern Chicagoan down in Florida. Yeah, I'm very far very, south side. Very south side. Very far south side. Um, you know, we uh, we can be proud. Walt grew up, at least for the first four years of his life, in Chicago. So you guys know that Chicago's got some really important Disney history. And I want to introduce a guest. And I want to preface this conversation by saying we are super excited and been prepping for this for, for a long time. Because I want to re- introduce Maria Massad, 
And Maria is the director of social media and digital partnerships for the Walt Disney Birthplace Project. So, Maria, how are you? Hey, good, Chris. How are you guys doing? Good. That was a long Great. intro. We were getting to it. You were like, "Come on, now!" I, <laughs> I, I know. So we're excited. That was good fun. We're excited to have you today because you know we were researching WaltDisneyBirthplace.org. And it's a treasure trove of information, but we're like super proud as Chicagoans to have this in our hometown. And I think Stacy and I are both embarrassed, and I don't know about you, Pete, that as Chicagoans, we've never visited this, and it's in our neighborhood. And how has that happened? I, I don't know, but we're happy to have you today. <laughs> well, you know, I wouldn't feel too bad. You have no idea how many people I talk to in Chicago, where I'm, I live as well. And um, you have no idea how many people I meet who have no idea that Walt Disney was born in Chicago. They all either have never thought about it before or they think that he was uh, from Missouri or Kansas or something like that. So I'm really happy that you guys are, you know, proud of a fellow Chicagoan. It should be evangelized and talked about and we should be able to claim Walt Disney as ours. I agree. Does does it count that I've probably driven past it before? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sure, that counts. Maybe, kinda. Well, well cause, <laughs> I mean, I, I remember seeing this a couple of years ago when it was just getting started, and I was like, all right, now, now that I have the actual address, the current address, which is a question I'm going to ask about later, um, I can actually go and find the house now. Outstanding. So I actually made the point of... Don't tell my boss. I was in the rig and we I dragged my partner and we, we made a stop. Nice. I, after, after nice. Nice. We're not on a call. I will preface nice. that we were not on a call. <laughs> sir, I know you're bleeding, but you need to sit there for one second, sir. Very good. Um, sir, is the chest pain subsiding? Yeah? All right, great. You got to make one quick stop. I'll, I'll be right with you, I promise. <laughs> Maria, here's a question that I have. So we talked about okay. Walt being a Chicagoan, and so he spent mm -hmm. the first four years of his life in Chicago. Is that correct? Yes, he did spend the first four years of his life in Chicago. Okay. Um, then they moved down to Marceline. So people might be dismissive at that and think, well, I mean, Walt's synonymous with Marceline, and that's where his formative years. And, you know, looking at your website, I was thinking, okay, so what would my daughter have remembered from her first four years? So I went back on my computer today and tracked the first four years of pictures, and I realized even at three, four years old, oh, my gosh, did that was like that, like, completely formed like the kind of little person that she's become those are super formative years so yeah if anyone's wondering what could you possibly remember from the first four years of life like your entire basis for who you are as a person your imagination so it's it's incredible yes absolutely and actually that kind of ties into the nonprofit element of the birthplace yeah, so it's really interesting that you say that about your daughter because, you know, it's really the age zero to four, even five or six. That's really when you become the person and develop the personality traits that you become. And so what part of the birthplace's mission is actually um, is tied to the nonprofit, the Center for Early Childhood Creativity Innovation, CECI, uh, C-E-C-C-I. Okay. And so basically, yeah, um, Basically, what SESI is all about is making sure that kids in the area, first in the community, and then we hope to expand this nationwide and then globally, that kids in the community have these experiences where they're able to express themselves creatively with a focus on um, arts programs. 
So in a sense, what the birthplace is all about is not only trying to restore the home at 2156 North Trip Avenue in Chicago to an interactive, immersive museum experience for families and kids and Disney fans of all ages. Um, we're also trying to create actual meaning for the future and impacting children in the area. Um, as you know, lots of programs in schools that are centered around the arts and theater, they're all being cut from a funding, per- uh, from a funding perspective. And what we want to focus on, we want to bring that back into communities and let kids express themselves because especially during that early childhood phase, it is so important to be able to nurture those gifts and bring out the special child in each of us. Um, and so yeah, with and the... Oh, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say this is um, just so exciting to me because I don't know if you knew that um, my career is I'm a museum education manager. So... I do exactly what you're talking about right now, and it's ex- this is just um, to to connect kids and Disney and museums. Like my heart is beating so fast because <laughs> it's like it's everything that I am absolutely passionate about. So I'm so excited to see what the future of the birthplace is and and how it's going to impact the community i mean and, and it's just so this is just such an exciting time we so gotta you get you girls some work. coffee someday you guys could just talk you know for, <laughs> at, at, at this okay let, let's let's start at the beginning though so let's talk about okay. the house itself so if you would can you give us a little history on the actual property itself and and, and what we should know about that but yeah so the disney family came to america in 1834 from Ireland, and essentially uh, they arrived in Canada in a little village called Blue Vale, which is located within Ontario, and he was born in 1859, and basically after about 20 years of really harsh winter, the Disney family decided they had had about enough, and they decided to set out to California with Elias, Um, but they really only got as far as Kansas. They ended up in Ellis, Kansas, because Elias' father... Walt's father, or not Walt's father, uh, Elias's father, Walt's grandfather, mm-hmm. Keppel Disney, he was offered a job on the Union Pacific Railroad there, and so he thought, hey, you know, it's money, it's a job, why not, this seems to be a good place to settle down. And so while they were there, Keppel wanted Elias to stay on the farm in Kansas, but Elias wanted to work as a machine, um, as machine shop mechanic for the Union Pacific Railroad, and through some chain of events, he actually ended up in Denver after he decided he wanted to see more of the country, and um, he took another job with the railroad, the railroad crews as an apprentice carpenter, and that's actually really where he learned carpentry that would be really useful later in life. Um, but once he got to Denver, the donations that he got from playing his fiddle weren't really enough to support him, he found out, so eventually he found his way back to Ellis, Kansas, and so... Um, when he was there, Elias taught school, and that's where he met Flora Call, who was another teacher at that same school. Okay. So then to back up again, the Call family settled in Boston in 1636. They came over from America, or to America from England, and um, they moved from Massachusetts to Ohio later on, where um, Charles Call, who was Flora's father and Walt and Roy's grandfather, um, he went to college at Oberlin in Ohio. And so basically Charles Paul also got a little tired of Ohio and were really pulled 
the idea of California to take advantage of the gold rush, which was happening at the time. So they walked all the way from Ohio to California. Um, and unfortunately, they were a little too late. They ended up with nothing. <laughs> um, so Charles ended up returning to Ohio, um, but later in life decided to move to Kansas with his daughter, Flora, um, in tow with him. Okay. And so actually, Keppel, Disney, and Charles call. Um, Flora's father, became really good friends. And so they both decided that after a three-day blizzard in Kansas where they almost froze to death, and in one of the books that I was reading, it's absolutely incredible. Um, You know, back then they didn't really have the luxuries of central heat and air like we do today or radiators or whatever you have in your home. They were actually um, scrounging together furniture to burn in the fire. Mm. (laughs) Um, That's how cold it was. So they decided, you know, hey, Florida sounds kind of nice right now. Um, So they, they, uh, they both went down there in search of more favorable climate. So Charles Call decided to settle in Florida, but then Keppel decided to, hey, you know, return to Kansas because for whatever reason, he thought Kismet, Kansas, was a better fit. So um, the Disney family moved back to Kansas, but Elias actually stayed behind in Florida to continue pursuing Flora Call. So um, they actually got married in 1888 in Akron, Florida, and they are about 10 years apart in age, if you can imagine. She was 19 years old, and Elias was almost 29 when they got married, and they stayed for a while in Florida, but the unpredictability of Florida weather combined with, you know, bouts of malaria <laughs> that Elias unfortunately suffered through um, made them decide to move again and pack up their small family. Um, at that point, it was just uh, Flora, Elias, and Herbert, and they moved to Chicago. Okay. And so in Chicago, Elias worked as a carpenter for the World's Fair, the Columbian Exposition of 1893. Um, so his carpentry skills that he learned in Kansas became really useful, and that was how he decided to make his living in Chicago. And he was paid just $1 an hour, or I'm not sorry, he was paid um, just $1 a day, and somehow from that, they saved enough money to go into business. Um, so Elias established himself as a contractor of houses in Chicago, And that was a really useful skill at the time because Chicago was experiencing a huge population boom. Right now, the birthplace is located pretty solidly in the residential part of the city, um, in the northwest part of town. But back in those days, it was the outskirts (laughs) because Chicago was just starting to really come into itself. Um, So the neighborhood was called Northwest Town. Now, today, it's called Hermosa. Um, and since Trip and Keeler Roads were the only ones paved back then, that's where the Disney's decided to establish residence. And that's why the birthplace is where it is today, because if you can imagine, there were no paved roads, no houses. It was just a couple of streets, and that was it. Um, so Flora decided to, uh, Flora, Flora decided to, um, drop the plans. So she's the one who designed the house, actually. Elias executed them, he built them, but it was really a partnership between the two of them. And so they created the house that Walt and Roy Disney were born in that we're restoring to this day. Whoa. So I got like so many questions I got to ask you on this. That, that, that's an awesome <laughs> story. So, but the, the most, <laughs> the one that really shocked me was I, I thought that Elias as the carpenter would have had the knowledge and working skill. What was Flora's training to actually draw up the plans for that? That's like, I'm like Mr. Lego man. You know, and I, I'd be beyond me. So what was her training for that? 
Um, you know, I don't know if she actually had any training. I haven't seen anything in any of the historical documents or books that I've parsed through. Um, but it is like accepted in Disney canon that Flora was the one who designed the plans. Wonderful. So Elias was more of the, um, you know, type who would go out and do something, and Flora was more the imaginative person behind the scenes. So it's kind of an interesting parallel between Roy and Walt themselves, where. You know, Roy, Roy was the was mastermind behind the scene. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. And Walt was more the, the creative one. So um, and something else I kind of like about the story, too, um, is that, you know, the way that Elias Disney has been talked about, I think, is people know a little bit about who he is. They probably have heard of him as, like, really strict and that he and Walt did not get along because all that Walt wanted to do was be an actor and express his creativity and be an artist. And Elias has said, you know... I think that, you know, working at the post office is a good idea. I think having um, experience with newspaper routes is a good idea. He just wanted um, uh, his children to have a safe job that would always kind of provide for them. Um, but what I think is really interesting about this story is that Elias was kind of similar to Walt in a sense. Like, when he decided to go to Denver and try to get by on playing his fiddle, um, that's not exactly a safe job. Yeah. Yeah. He did yeah. learn from that. Right. But uh, there's definitely family resemblance in the fa- in, uh, in the Disney family. And he's a dreamer, and he's passionate because he stayed in Florida when everyone moved back to pursue his would-be wife. You know, so yeah, you could see, exactly right. So I mean, talk about a risk and like a leap of faith to stay in Florida. So okay, <laughs> yeah, especially we back should... then when it takes forever to travel from one place to the other. Like when you hear all about how these people were moving all around the country. I mean, this is before cars. This is before planes. And the trains it's, were only just being built. So it so still funny. takes forever to get around in central Florida, though. <laughs> this is true right now. It's correct. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, actually, I, I have a question, though. I'm sorry, Stacey. No, no, no. Um, but you're, ask your question. I know you said the house, they, they built it on trip because it was a paved street. Mm-hmm. I noticed on the website the picture you guys have up of Ruth and Walt on the porch of the yeah. house. The house number is not what it is now. Mm-hmm. When correct. or when or how did that change? Yeah, so because it went from twelve forty nine to twenty one fifty six, correct? Yeah, that sounds right. It's twenty one fifty six now. I don't know that. Um, the I, number of the I old house the, off I the think top of my the house head, number in the picture right. was 1249. Gotcha. Yeah, so there is an explanation for that. And actually, when uh, the owners bought the house, they had to make extra sure that that was the right house because the numbers were changed. So basically, back in the 20s, 30s, 40s, Chicago, um, for whatever reason, they decided to renumber all of the houses in Chicago. And so that affected... Um, the old Disney house as well. And so that's why the number hmm. um, in the house is different um, back then versus today. So I don't know what the reason why is. That's a good note to follow up on for me. Okay. <laughs> um, but it is because the um, Chicago, the city of Chicago decided to change the numbers based on, um, I think, the growth of the city. Um, so there's that. Okay, so 1893, the Disney family settles into the home, all right, so Walt's not Mm -hmm. born, Roy's not born until June 24th of 93, 
And Walt comes comes along on December fifth of nineteen oh one. So he, so they're already there for several years. So the Disney family at that point, he was still acting as a carpenter. After the World's Fair was gone, do you know anything about Elias? What was he doing? How was he supporting the family at that point? Yeah, so he actually was still doing a lot of carpentry. So he built a couple of houses um, on the same street. And actually, it's been really useful to us that he did that because the birthplace, when the owners purchased it, um, when Dina Dina Benedon and Brent Young purchased the house, uh, it looked completely different from how it looks today. Um, it was a duplex, and we had to kind of reconvert it back into the single-family home that it originally was. Like, there was all this stuff that had to go into making it look how it was today. And I could go into detail on that later in the podcast. But um, basically, like, the entire interior was changed also because of all of the additional changes that um, subsequent owners made to the house. Um, and so because Elias had built some houses in the area, we were able to go down the street and just take a look and see, like, hey, this is what the yeah. um, original banister looks like in this house. We'll make a copy of that because, you know, back then the houses more or less, they had, you know, similar characteristics. Mm-hmm. Um, so we took some creative liberty with that. But assuming that, you know, these things, we ba- we basically took creative liberty on that, but yeah, wonderful. No, it's wonderful because I often wondered, how could you determine what the house looked like? Because there was no way it was still in its original condition 119 years later, you know? So I, I wondered that. So so fabulous. So in 1906, then, uh, Elias decides they're going to move to Marceline. They're going to move to Missouri. And he sells the house. And tell us about that from that point forward. Who owned the house? How many owners? And, like, I could imagine this is where... Like, the house starts going, I don't want to say downhill. It probably served its purpose for many years and started going downhill later. But from looking at your website, Maria, so in 1906, Mm -hmm. Elias sold the property to Walter Chamberlain, uh, moved the family to Marceline, Missouri, which is where most people associate Walt's childhood and the Disney family is, is is Marceline, Missouri. Um, So I know from even talks with you off the air that, the property changed hands many times, and as properties in Chicago tend to do, like the property that I grew up in, it stood for a hundred years, and lots of changes happened to the house. Uh, in the early '90s, as I understand, that Chicago they attempted, someone attempted to designate the property as a historical landmark, right? And mm-hmm. the owner fought the designation and won. Which you're wondering what that would mean. But the house wasn't under protected status at that point. So there was a possibility of the house being at risk of demolition. Do I have this all right? I mean, I want to make sure I'm I'm saying this right. Good so far? Yep, that's that's exactly right. Okay. So tell me then, I guess what I'm curious about is, is how did the property get acquired then? And like what the goals and vision is for the house and like the challenges and stuff. So, so how did it go from being at risk of demolition to being sold to uh, to Brent and to, to to Dina? Yeah. So Brent and Dina live and work in Silver Lake, California, which is a neighborhood in Los Angeles. And for Disney fans, they might recognize that area because that is actually where the Disney Brothers, Walt and Roy, um, opened the original Disney Brothers Studios. So. Brent and Dina found out about that and got really interested in the history of 
the Disney brothers and the company and all that jazz. Um, and so because Brent was originally from Chicago, when they found out that Walt and Roy were both born in Chicago, it kind of struck a personal note with them. And mm-hmm. they thought, you know, hey, um, they might want to see what's happening to that house. And as you said, it was never really, it never really achieved the historical landmark status that would protect it from demolition. And they wanted to do something about that because there are so many, um, there's so many historical sites that unfortunately have been lost to time and just don't exist anymore, or they've changed so much that they're unrecognizable from how the Disney brothers lived and interacted with them. So when they found out that, you know, this house is still standing and it was the house that Elias built, they actually approached the current owner at the time and asked if he would be willing to sell the house based on their desire to turn it into um, a museum, the Walt Disney birthplace. And luckily, the owner at the time had been living there for 10 years or so, and he was kind of ready to sell anyway. So it kind of all worked out. Um, So in 2013, in the springtime, uh, they signed the contract and bought the house, and it became theirs. And I know that when they first bought it, they were like, wow, what have we gotten ourselves into? (laughs) Um, (laughs) It's been a a really interesting um, project for them, I know, and... You know, it's. I know that some people um, are wondering, you know, when is it finally going to open? We want to see Walt's birthplace. We want to be able to experience the house that he did that impacted um, the early development of him so much that turned him into the person that he was. Um, but it does take a long time to restore a house in general, especially with the historical attention to detail and mm-hmm. just in general, like working with the city of Chicago takes a while mm-hmm. uh, uh, to yeah. straighten some things out from the <laughs> from the outside of the home, too. So um, it's been a journey, but um, that's kind of like a, a little bit of story of the past. And so, um, as I mentioned earlier, it was like complete mess, a duplex. They had to reconvert it into a single family home. There was aluminum siding on the house. It just, it just wasn't so great. <laughs> um, and so now you see it as this beautiful um, workers' cottage style home as it originally looked. And we even conducted analysis with the Art Institute of Chicago. Um, we contacted um, one of their professors at the Art Institute and asked, you know, hey, we'd love to know a little bit more about the actual historical quality of the paint, of where the windows were, um, trying to locate all the original details of the house architecturally. And so the Art Institute of Chicago has been so, so helpful and um, really crucial in helping us kind of create the experience that you see today. So like they did a paint chip analysis after we removed the aluminum siding and then removed all the other layers of paint that the previous owners had put on it to finally get down to the bottom to where Elias and Flora and his team would have been painting the house. So what you see today is to the best of our ability, what it looks like back then. Maria, I could just imagine like, like, Dina and Brent thinking, yeah, we should really buy this. Let's save this. And then actually the day they signed the contract, <laughs> looking at each other thinking, what do we, what, what do we, we get ourselves into? You know, cause like the task is, is monumental. So they bought this home and they're starting the renovations. And legitimately, if, if, if the home is under protected status and it's a landmark, 
like you said, like the city of Chicago, everything is going to move and you're going to have to go over with a fine tooth comb. I, I, we understand that. Like what's been some of the challenge, the most challenging parts of, of doing this? Like uh, what are the moments that has made them want to pull their hair out and cry? And like, what has been like the yes moment? That, she like, already said they had to deal with the government of the city of Chicago. Yeah, this is true. Very, that, that would make anyone cry. So. <laughs> Um, yeah, so I think that actually they would be probably the best people to answer that question, but just from my general knowledge, I know that what has been really exciting for everyone on the team has just been seeing the growth of the birthplace and seeing the community really come together over it. So the people who live in Hermosa are so very proud that Walt Disney um, was born in their neighborhood. So it's been awesome seeing the community come around it and rally around it at the point to say, like, you know, the kids who are living in this neighborhood and going to school in this neighborhood, just like Roy and going to the church down the street that Elias built, also, fun fact, um, you know, they all have the same uh, opportunity as, they all have had the same opportunities as Roy and Walt living in this neighborhood. Like, there's something so magical about it. So, when we finally, you know, made it look the way that it did, um, there's just like a, a kind of magic about it. If you, even if you see it from the outside, it's it's truly magical. And I, <laughs> I hate to say it because it's like, oh, it sounds so cliche and so Disney, but it's, yeah, it's a very it's really Disney true. word to use. Awesome, yeah. awesome. Okay, so tell us this then. So here's what I'm thinking. You know, when I, if I were to go and consider buying a classic car and I have to restore it, like the easiest part of that is the actual purchase price. And then getting actually, as you start to deal with the car, you realize, oh my gosh, this is going to cost me like four times like the amount of the purchase price just to get this car back restored. So that's what I like. Like, how is the funding coming for this project? Where is, where is the money coming for this? Um, because I can only imagine everything, everything must cost just a fortune. Yeah, so that's a really good question. We really would never be able to do this project without the help of the community. So it's really wonderful that the, that the city of or that the neighborhood of Hermosa has supported us to such an extent. But majority of the um, the funds that we raise are from Disney fans and from individual families who purchase bricks or plaques, which are available still through the Walt Disney Birthplace dot org. Um, website. If you go to the URL, the WaltDisneyBirthplace.org/contribute, you'll be able to find all these different options to donate to the cause. So, another reason why the restoration has kind of taken a long time is because we really, truly do rely on um, the community effort to fund things. Now, back in 2016, we were incredibly fortunate that the Walt Disney Company mm-hmm. took an interest in the birthplace and donated quite a bit of money that really kind of uh, pushed the restoration forward at a much quicker pace than we otherwise would have been able to do. Um, and we are, you know, always happy to have any level of corporate sponsorship. Um, so if any listeners out there are interested in having their business featured on the Birthplace website or in any of our digital assets, um, definitely reach out and let me know. We are certainly interested. It will only help speed along the restoration process and open the house as a museum to all but basically yes um the way that the process works is that individuals have donated very generously and we're very grateful to them um because without them this project would never have been possible um and they basically purchase you know bricks plaques things like that that they can 
uh, kind of have their own footprint within the house and okay. have their name etched at the birthplace site forever. Okay, so I'm looking at that right now. On the website, the WaltDisneyBirthplace.org. So the very first link that you can hit is called Donate Today. So just looking at this quickly, so add your name to the birthplace with a purchase of a dedicated paver stone, um, and you can have that uh, you know, engraved with like looks like three lines or a name, and like the example you give is a name mm-hmm. and Disneyland cast member, and like her birth date or the date she was a cast member. So that's yeah. really cool. You can have it say whatever you want. You can have it say something like the WW Review Paper Stone. We oh, should think about that. Oh yeah, one. That'd be oh, awesome. yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. So, so if you if you didn't get to get that Paper Stone outside of Disney World, outside Magic Kingdom, that you read every time you walk through, and you're always like, I wish I had gotten one. Here's an opportunity to get a Paper Stone, a better necessary at the park, but where Walt was born. There you go. Contact at the Walt Disney Birthplace org. So, and then there's a phone number, 323-663-7878. So that's one of the ways. And and obviously there is just a donate button, which is fantastic as well, too. Um, So if we could just go back into the house briefly. So I know this is going to become from just a, a, you're only looking at the outside right now is it's not really ready to be turned into the museum and the interactive experience. Pete, you and I were talking about like the back wall of the house, and we yeah. were both like, "That is so cool!" About tar- it's going to be neat because <laughs> so, they they add, they made an addition on the house, from what I understand. Okay, so it got walled off. Well, I'm I'm assuming through the help of the Art Institute and the Historical Society's architectural department who I know I believe has given you guys a hand with some of this stuff. They've determined where the windows would be. Mm-hmm. And one of the plans is to put high tech interactive screens in where the windows would have been. So you can still kind of look out and see the neighborhood as it would have been back then. Yeah. Is that accurate? So yeah, yeah, it's completely accurate. It's going to be so cool when it's finally done. So basically, um, yeah, as as you said, Peter, um, it's it's going to be a really great experience. The owners of the house, their expertise and line of work is theme park experiences. So they are the ones who are helping create rides for theme parks. So they know what they're doing here. Awesome. Um, so <laughs> it'll be really cool. Um, but yeah, basically, our plans for the house are, you know, after we've, you know, gotten period furniture that reflects the accurate uh, ways of the time, we'll also add the interactive elements that include smells that take you back to, you know, here's the kitchen, how the kitchen would smell in the early 1900s based on what Flora was making in the kitchen. Um, You've got the sounds of Walt and Roy running around upstairs because they're just kids and the house is quite small, but there is still space for kids to be kids. And then, as you said, we'll have magic windows where um, the original windows were, and those will give you a peek into the past and visualize exactly how Walt and Roy would have seen life back in the day. So we're really looking forward to the finished product. Um, Outst- yeah. Outstanding. What you know? So you mentioned it earlier, and I know we're going to bring this to a close because we've taken up so much of your time today. But you mentioned earlier about 
how many pieces of history have we lost? Not only like Disney history, but like American history, and be able to you know restore it back to what would be considered like original condition, and then add these touches, the interactive touches. Like what an awesome amenity, and like the way to bring the community you know together through something like this. It's it's fabulous. I'm I'm completely embarrassed and humble that I've not been there, but I'm going to resolve that really quickly in my life to go and 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 visit and take pictures from the outside. Absolutely. Yeah, and, I, awesome. and I just think too. that like, um, it's just such a blessing to have this in Chicago. And I mean, if you think about this, if this was in the middle of nowhere, how Chicago just has so much access to things. I mean, the fact that you were able to utilize the Art Institute, I mean, it, to have all these things at your, the fingertips in Chicago, it's just such an amazing city. And how great to have Walt Disney's home, birthplace in this marvelous city where we can just kind of make all these connections to just just all these different things it's just such an amazing you know you're right stacy um i don't know if something like this could be like in a small town in the access we have here in chicago you're absolutely right you're not blabbering i mean this is this is this is the truth about chicago right i mean if this was in central or southern illinois that house probably doesn't get redone it may not it exist. It's lost forever. It may not exist, right, Pete? Yeah, you know, it may be gone already at that point. You're exactly right. So, Maria, if anyone had any questions or like, what's the best way to like stay informed or or like find an answer to a question? How could people do that? Yeah, so we'd love to keep in touch with your listeners. So, if you go to the slash contribute um, and you look on the banner on the side, we have a newsletter. Um, so you can, you guys can feel free to subscribe to that newsletter. It comes out once a month. Um, at least at this point, it comes out once a month. We are hoping maybe in the future to increase that, but for now, once a month. And we talk about, you know, all kinds of different things relating to the birthplace news, trivia related to Walt and the Disney's, um, really anything related to the birthplace. So it's a great way to stay informed. Um, but my personal plug, since I am the director of social media and digital partnerships, I really recommend following us on our social channels. So we are on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and even LinkedIn. So you guys have so many channels to keep in touch with us. Um, and so um, on Facebook, if you type in Walt Disney Birthplace, you'll find us. Um, our Twitter handle is WD Birthplace, and our Instagram is Walt Disney Birthplace. Um, and I believe that if you want to stay in touch with us on LinkedIn too, the if you type in Walt Disney Birthplace, um, you'll find us there too. And if you want to see any really cool pictures with the guy that's grinning from ear to ear, pretty soon to our page is going to be me, you know, from grinning from <laughs> ear, right? And you'll see some really cool shots from there. So um, outstanding. So give us. Now, you're in charge of social media and digital partnerships, but as a Disney fan, which you are, and you were a former, from talking to you, you were a former cast member at the Disney store in St. Louis, is that correct? Yep, that's right. And you've been to both parks, and you've been to, you know, so you are a Disney fan. Like, we play a game called the Three Words Game. And so I'll give a title. I'll say like like Uh-oh. space. I'll, I'll give a title like Space Mountain, and you have to describe Space Mountain in three words. They could be linear. They could be. Um, it could be just like random thoughts of Space Mountain. So, can you describe the Walt Disney Birthplace Project in three words for us? Give us three words that best describe working for promoting just the feeling itself of actually you know you know 
saving this from history. Give us three good words. Okay. <laughs> uh, not expecting this. Wait, um, yeah, way to spring it on her. No one ever does. No, no one ever does, Maria. It's my th- no one ever does, so don't worry. Give us three good descriptive words. Okay. Um, I'll say community because the, the team itself, the actual team, is so great, and we're all a team of volunteers, so no one is paid for this, so we're all very passionate about it. Okay. Um, wonderful purpose. I'll say community. I'll say um, I'll say dreamers. Okay. Um, because I think the birthplace uh, and its mission is all about inspiring that next generation and and creating all kinds of creativity within them. Okay. Finding that seed. Fabulous. You've already you've already won with with community and dreamers. By the way, you don't even need the third word, but 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 please give us one more. For my last word, I'll pick the word authentic because. This is all about Walt's history and the history of the Disney family and bringing that um, with as much attention to historical detail as possible. Um, The owners and the team have really spared no expense in trying to recreate it as the Disney family would have experienced it. And, um, you know, it's really difficult getting the word out that, you know, Walt was actually born in Chicago rather than Marceline. But everything about this house um, is 100% authentic, and we are really taking the care and time to transform it from its original state so that you know future generations can enjoy it as well. So you're, those are my three words. You're Community. awesome. That's great. Yes. <laughs> Everyone who's a listener of the show knows that game that we play periodically, and they're all like giving you a clap right now, a virtual clap. Thank you. <laughs> you, you did awesome. So. Oh, Especially you. with no prep time. No prep time. At, least, just, at least when we're recording I one of those, we of have some, some prep. No, no. We know we have to come up with three words for this. Outstanding. So oh, join join the Walt Disney Birthplace uh, on all the social media fronts. It's also the WaltDisneyBirthplace.org is the website. You can find information. If you wanted to donate, you can find you can subscribe to their newsletter. So, you know, with that, you know, we usually have a sign-off, but it was just our pleasure to talk to you today and to learn about the awesome history that we have here in our hometown. So, Oh, it was my pleasure being on your podcast. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it, and the entire team at The Birthplace does as well. Awesome. So for my co-hosts, Stacy and Peter, and for my friend Maria, we'd like to thank you, and we want to wish you a great day. See you, everybody. Bye, everyone. Bye.